on today's patron release, Managing Low Back Pain for Runners. Welcome to the podcast, helping you train, rehab, and run smarter. When I first started running in my 20s, I knew it would be something I'd be passionate about for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, developing injury after injury disrupted my progress and left me undertrained at the start line on race day. Even with my knowledge as a physio, I still fell victim to the vicious injury cycle and when searching for answers, struggled to decipher between common running myths and evidence-based guidance. That's what this podcast is here to help you with. So join me as a Run Smarter Scholar and let's break the injury cycle by raising your running IQ and achieving running feats you never thought possible. Thanks for joining me again, Run Smarter Scholars. Uh, We have a patron release today, which um, so once a month I do uh, patron episodes. They vote on what episodes they want to hear and um, write down their suggestions for what they want to hear. And then I create an episode and the low back pain was quite popular. I did this about six months ago. I think I released this one. I can't believe it. I just checked today. Um, I release a patron episode once a month and we're up to 32 episodes. That is crazy. And new patrons that get on board, they get to binge all of those episodes. It just, all of them become available through the Run Smarter app and the website and that sort of stuff. And I was hoping that I would release this today and talk about this brand new patron uh, structure that I have planned, but unfortunately it's going to take a lot longer than I anticipated. (laughs) There's a lot more um, hurdles to go through, a lot more with designing the website and the packages and the payments and the automations and the emails and everything like that um, and having a couple of hiccups along the way with designing it all. So um, it's not out yet, I hope, the next couple of weeks. But because I'm impatient, just want to (laughs) share my um, excitement the I'll give a bit of a tease. So we currently have the patron tier that's uh, five Australian dollars per month. Um, I will then be releasing other additional patron sort of tiers um, in the coming weeks, and I'll announce that when it's ready. Um, but it will give you more Run Smarter episodes. It will give you if you sign up to the top tier, you will get a second Run Smarter podcast episode every week. You'll listen to two a week instead of just the current one a week. And there's new structure for each episode. So for each patron episode. So I have the exclusive episodes, which is what you'll hear released today. Just new topics. Um, patrons vote on them. Then we design a, um, or you know record an episode on that. We have the AMA, Ask Me Anything episodes, where patrons will then you know, submit their questions and I just go through, Ooh, should put my phone on silent. (laughs) I don't think it's ever gone off before. Um, we have the AMA episodes, ask me anything, patrons ask me questions. And then we just hit record and I just go through answering those questions. Um, so that will be released once a month again, that will be released. So let me just go through it. So that the patron exclusive episodes, the first Friday of every month, AMA, the second Friday of every month, then we have the running review episodes, which I'm excited about because I get to go through a recent paper 
publication about a certain topic, hopefully that has a good new insight, and then you get access to the PDF of that paper. Um, so that is a research review episode on the third Friday of every month. And then on the fourth Friday of every month, we have what's going to be quickly my favorite episode, which is the Injury Chat Insights. And so I jump on Injury Chats, you know, twice, two or three times a day. And I'm having, if you've jumped on an Injury Chat, you may have seen some, uh, a little tick box to say if you have uh, if you want to give permission for this to be recorded and repurposed. And what I do is I'll find the really intriguing ones and I just go through a breakdown. So you'll hear the injury chat recorded and I just dive in, um, you know, periodically throughout that conversation and talk about why I'm asking these questions. Uh, what is a new insight that we have? What advice, why I'm giving this advice and sort of just break down uh, the advice that I give similar to what I would do on a call, um, like working with a client, but just in an injury chat sort of format. So um, I've already recorded some of these uh, and I'm really enjoying them. But yeah, if you sign up to that top tier, you'll get a second podcast episode every month. There's also my online course content. You'll get rolling access to that. So every month will be new content, new um, video content for you to binge, um, more injury chats with me. So at the moment, anyone can jump on for a free injury chat, but it's sort of limited to once. <laughs> and if you uh, sign up for more tiers, you get more and more access or opportunities or frequencies, I guess you could say, to jump onto those injury chats, um, plus a whole ton more. You get like uh, audio books for free. You get my paperback book at a really, really cheap price. And I've just really thought this through just to give you guys the best uh, content possible so you can learn, rehab, train smarter. Um, I hope, uh, I look forward to seeing your responses from that. Um, like I said, it's been a long time in the making. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, let's learn all about low back pain. Welcome to Patrick Leonard as our new patron for the month. Thanks for joining. Hope you feel nice and warm at home and getting stuck into the patron archive episodes that you can find on the app. Um, this is an interesting topic because low back pain isn't necessarily a running related injury, but it is fairly common. Um, it's a common, it's common across the whole population. And I have done one low back pain episode before, uh, on the Run Smarter feed. And it was with, um, Dr. Kieran Sullivan, who was a researcher into low back pain. And we went through some low back pain myths. And so how I thought I might construct this episode was just giving you a recap of that interview. We discussed like six or seven low back pain myths. And we discussed um, a particular paper that he published talking about the myths of low back pain. So recap those and then also go into some other detail about that paper that wasn't discussed on the main feed. And then we're going to finish with a few of my main tips when it comes to low back pain. And it is, like I said, it's quite different because it's not a running related injury, but it's also a very broad topic, a very broad term because there could be so many causes for low back pain. It's not as simple as ITB syndrome where there can be several different things that cause ITB syndrome or different structures that impact ITB syndrome. Um, it's, I guess, low back pain is a lot more complex 
And so when discussing it, we can't necessarily go, this is what causes it. This is how to treat it. Day one, do this. Day seven, do this. And you'll be better because like I said, it depends um, on the primary driver. Um, and it's, it is a condition that is really tied to catastrophization, thoughts, um, just fears. And for some reason, like headaches, neck pain, and low back pain are just ones that really spark a lot of fear for people. And therefore, how you respond to that, what your psychological responses and thoughts and fears are, can really help or hinder your recovery. And so that's why it's just not so simple as to say, do this and you'll get better. Okay, so my experience with low back pain is actually quite long. <laughs> I have had low back pain since like a teenager and nothing too serious. When I was growing up playing basketball, my back would get stiff and sore and it was just common for me to wake up and just be really stiff in my lower back and being a, a guard, it's like constantly changing direction, twisting your body, putting yourself through some quite high loads and doing it, you know, playing for three basketball teams and pretty much playing every single day. Um, I just thought that was normal to wake up with a really stiff back until I stopped playing and that just went away. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have paid more attention to that. Um, but these days in the last, say, five to 10 years, I do have some episodes of mild back pain. If I do more cycling than I should, um, if I'm on a plane in an awkward position, um, which I think is normal, anything that's to do with too much slouching beyond what I'm used to, um, or like a flexion based activity. So if I was, like I say, increase my amount of cycling, my back would get a bit sore. And actually when I did my rock climbing, my back would get sore as well, but that would just pull it into extension as like the harness sort of just um, extends your lower back. But apart from those sort of sort of mild incidences, I have had maybe once a year for the last three years what some really, really bad episodes of low back pain. One was caused by snowboarding. I just had a, I tweaked my back trying to like do a little 180 on the ground, not like in the air, just trying to flip um, just on flat snow and that like, you know, hurt my lower back. What, another one two years ago was doing deadlifts, like just mid set. Um, and I can't remember what, there was another one that happened about six months ago. I can't remember the instance of it, but those were quite severe. I, I couldn't stand up straight. I was shifted to one side. I spent three days or so just trying to lay down because standing for you know, 10 plus minutes would really cause a lot of fatigue, not only in my lower back, but all the way up to my shoulders, just because I was out of position and my body just wasn't used to being in that position, but I couldn't correct myself. And, you know, knowing the right things to do, doing the exercises that I should, doing the stretches that I should, just slowly correct itself. But it takes four to six days to actually start moving around normally. It's, um, so that happens about once a year. So I do have a history of low back pain, which is why this topic is quite interesting for me. So I interviewed Dr. Kieran O'Sullivan. He's a researcher into low back pain, and we went through some myths on the podcast. Myth number one was low back pain is caused by a weak core and increasing the strength in the core muscles will reduce your risk of injury. And Kieran highlighted that there is no correlation. And it doesn't mean that doing core exercises is bad. It's actually probably good for you. But what he has found is that that narrative of a weak core 
causes low back pain just leads people to or just translates into people activating their core all the time or just thinking if they don't activate their core then it causes uh, it can increase the risk of back pain and they're walking around really rigid and stiff because they're constantly wanting to activate that core and so I guess it's more of a narrative or an interpretation sort of issue and recognizing there's not much of a correlation. I know some runners try and activate their core when they run and just leads to more rigidity and fatigue and a less natural stride because you shouldn't really be thinking about those things when, when you're running, in my opinion anyway. And so creating this hypervigilance for most injuries isn't great. So just recognizing that particular myth. The second one we talk about was low back pain is caused by poor posture and this one is, you know, most people think, oh, you're, you've got low back pain because you slouch. And there, that might be the case if you slouch more than what you're used to. It's like um, most running-related injuries, like running isn't bad for you, but if you run more than what you usually do, then it increases your risk of injury. Um, if you run to what is comfortable and you run within your means, then you're not going to get injured. The same with posture, no matter what posture you have. And Kieran sort of highlights the the point that you just should do what's comfortable and what you're used to. Um, whether you're in pain, so if you do have back pain, find a posture that's comfortable that might be slouching. Um, if you're pain-free and you're worried about getting injured, find a posture that's comfortable and what you're used to. And in most cases, that's the best option for you. Um, some people think that slouching might make it worse, but... And that might be the case. You might talk to someone with low back pain and they say, oh, you know, when I'm at the computer for too long, I start to slouch and my head starts to go forward and my shoulders start to round and then my pain comes on. So that's not comfortable. So you need to find a position that is comfortable. However, if someone does have low back pain and they say, look, I'm, I get a lot of pain relief when I actually slouch in my chair, then that should probably be encouraged. And if you slouch in that chair and then pain starts to come on in two hours, then get up and move and then go back into that comfortable position. So just making sure that that myth of low back pain is caused by poor posture is um, you know, addressed and making sure that you understand these sort of things. And it sort of aligns a lot with any of the running topics that we come up with. You know, you sort of do what's comfortable and you do what feels good for you, not what you think just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Or what you've been told the science is. You know, people are told that their glutes aren't activating or their hips are not aligned or their spine is shifted when they run and they should correct all those things. And when they correct those things, they feel awkward and inefficient, but their natural movement has inefficiencies or something that doesn't, wouldn't contribute to a perfect stride, but it feels comfortable for them. So they should continue because that's what creates the most efficient stride for them. So the same thing kind of applies. The third myth that we talked about was bending, squatting, lifting, and those sort of postures. And that if you are part of like a manual labor job, 
uh, Kieran said that yes, you do need to be strong and actually you do need to have a strong core if you are bending, squatting, lifting heavy stuff throughout the day. If you're a manual labor worker or if you do gym workouts, if you're used to doing these high intensity workouts with a gym class and you know you have to pick and push things, you do need to be strong. You probably need to have a strong core, but we can't translate that over into everyday life where you feel like you should be bracing the whole time. That's something that's not quite helpful. Um, Myth number four was that pain is always bad if it causes low back pain. And Kieran said that like the, the key word there is always. So some movements that cause low back pain might be okay. It might be okay for you to do. And he's more relating to this to people with low back pain. So those who have had an episode for, you know, been going on for seven days, for an example, and then they do some sort of movement where they bend forward to pick up their phone and it causes low back pain. And then all of a sudden they stop bending because they think that's bad. Well, I guess, again, this probably goes back to the lessons that we learn on this podcast. If you have knee pain and you squat and the squats are two out of 10 pain, doesn't get worse afterwards, then it's probably helpful to do that and encourage that you do that to get better at it and get stronger at that movement. Same thing goes for the lower back. Um, if you do have, if you're pain-free and if you've had no low back pain for say two months and then you move a certain way and you do it quite repetitively and then the back starts getting sore, that's a different scenario. You might want to pay attention to that, but just don't be fearful while you have low back pain of doing something that might cause a little bit of pain. Uh, along this, a similar line, um, Kieran said that flare-ups don't necessarily mean that it's doing more damage. If you do have low back pain and then you've had a recent flare-up, the structure isn't getting worse. There isn't attributing to more damage. You just might need to back off some of the adjustments that you made. Um, just back it off a little bit, let that settle down, then continue moving on to those things. The fifth myth that we talked about was about injections, medications, and surgery and highlighting that the effects and benefits and the research trying to correlate the the benefits isn't really there. Uh, he said that the benefits may be very small, but have high risks associated with it. Like surgery has a lot of risks. Um, medications and injections do create a lot of fear, um, which is really important when it comes to recovery for low back pain. You want to make sure that you, there's reassurance. You want to make sure that the things that you do um, are kind of like positive and encouraged, like movement exercises, you know, getting some freedom back, getting some independence back, all those sorts of things. But a lot of times injections and surgery just spark fear, like manifest fear, and people are just petrified about getting surgery, but they think it's their only option. But look at the research, it's the benefits are not that great. The correlation is 50-50 when it comes to getting an operation and then being better off afterwards. So, um, and also Kira mentioned that the more research that comes out, the more flimsy these sort of interventions are. So just be very careful. And along a similar line, myth number six that we talked about was about scans and feeling like scans are really overutilized. And a lot of times doctors and surgeons are incentivized for people to go get scans. Um, and then the, I guess, misinterpretation of the scan results um, doctors will read all, all this complicated jargon on the scans and find or read out any little imperfection or any little findings 
and then try to relay it back to the client in layman's terms. And they usually say things like, you know, there's a, a bulge in your disc or there's bone on bone changes, there's degeneration and all these this real threatening language. And they usually just point out any little imperfection or degeneration that's found. They might go through all the levels of the spine and say, no finding, no finding, no finding, no finding. Oh, this very bottom level has mild de- de- disc degeneration. And then that sparks a lot of fear and like, oh, this is why I've been having back pain for so long. When in fact, if you were to scan a hundred healthy 40 year olds, scan their lower backs, no pain whatsoever, no history of low back pain, 50% of them will have a disc bulge and 70% of them will have some form of disc degeneration. That's huge. And if you get into your fifties and sixties, that just, those numbers just climb up. The prevalence of that is a lot higher. So just something we need to be aware of. And the last thing we talked about, which I thought we should mention was just hands-on therapy. Um, Mentioning that it's not that important when it comes to actually healing a low back. Uh, But it's really important that if you do have hands-on therapy, it's sort of, it's something that you have noticed you have benefit with. You don't just do it for the sake of doing it. You should feel better afterwards, even if it is short-term. That's sort of the goal of hands-on therapy, like massage, trigger point release, dry needling. These things will just depend on your individual outcome. If it's indifferent for you, then it's, it's probably best finding something else. But if you do have a benefit, then you can continue with it. But what's really important that we sort of discussed in this interview was the language that was used during the hands-on therapy. So you could, I could massage someone with low back pain and say, okay, let's settle down this pain. Um, Let's, you know, calm down your nervous system. Do you have any questions about your low back pain? It's really uh, encouraged that you return to these things. It's very healthy to move. It's very healthy to return back to squatting and bending. And we'll do some gentle range of movement exercises. We'll do some gentle strength exercises, find what you're comfortable with, and then build you up to the goals that you have. And sort of just as you're discussing a reassuring path forward during that hands-on therapy, that can help a lot. But often is the case that during the hands-on stuff, a therapist might say, oh, look at this spasm, or look at all these knots here, or look at this malalignment, the hips are too high, your, your spine is out of place, and we need to move that back, and your scans show that there's bone on bone or there's disc bulging, so we're just going to try and free up some space, and all that really threatening language, you can walk away from that session and be really scared. And so it's all about how you deliver the particular language or your particular understanding of the condition. And you like, it's understandable that people can move differently. Like I said, with my severe low back pain in the past, like I am side shifted and really find it almost impossible to correct myself to a very straight position like my posture normally would. And even if I do that, it actually causes low back pain, which is why I'm sort of subconsciously shifting away from it. And so people can really easily think that there's this spasm, there's this malalignment or your low back pain is caused because you have one hip higher than the other or a side shift in your spine and all those sorts of things. But it's worth mentioning that, you know, when you get sore, you can move and position yourself differently. And it's not because of the low back pain. Well, it's not, the the malposition isn't causing the low back pain. 
It's just that when you're in pain, you move a bit different. And then once pain settles and you get back into the correct sort of movements, then everything naturally corrects itself. And just a, a different way to think about it and a, a different philosophy. And then it's just a bit more reassuring, I hope, when you communicate that way. So though those were the seven sort of points that I discussed with Kieran. It was the weak core. There's the, the myth of low back pain is caused by a weak core. Number two was that low back pain is caused by poor posture. Number three was that bending, lifting, squatting, all that sort of stuff. You probably do need a strong core to operate and do all those really heavy stuff, but then just don't go away and stay braced and feel like you need to keep that activated in your normal day-to-day movements. Um, Talking about number four was pain is always movement that causes low back pain should be avoided. Um, If you do have low back pain and squatting causes a little bit of pain, you can still squat. You don't need to avoid those things. Myth number five was about the, I guess, highlighting the realistic expectations with injections, medications, and surgery. Number six was scans, um, being very careful to interpret the findings and I guess correlate that with incidental findings or what's found in the healthy population. And number seven, just about hands-on therapy can be okay for the individual, but the narrative that comes along with that's very important. So moving into this paper, um, we discovered well, we discussed most of it, but there's three other points that I thought worth mentioning that is still in this paper that we didn't discuss with Kieran. And that being that persistent low back pain, so either an episode that keeps coming up or low back pain that has, you know, drags on for months. So persistent low back pain can be scary, but it's rarely dangerous. Really important to know. And they put in brackets in this paper. Um, it's rarely life-threatening, and uh, is very unlikely that you'll end up in a wheelchair. And this goes back to what I was saying at the start, where low back pain, same with neck pain, it's it's a it's a scary condition and is often presented with a lot of fear, hypervigilance, um, catastrophization, like fear of movement, fear of the it getting worse. I think they're both areas of the the body that are just really important to us. You know, we need our backs and whenever there's a spark in pain in that area, we are more heightened to that awareness. And because it sparks a little bit more fear, it just creates the sensitivity in the pain or the relevance in the brain to produce pain because we feel like it's more urgent than anything else because it can be quite debilitating if you do have severe low back pain. But the fear catastrophization just feeds forward this, your pain behavior and your attitude to the pain. And then that can just feed forward into more sensitivity and heightened levels of pain. And when I was working in clinics and seeing a lot of low back pain, you know, it's quite not common, but I'd see it quite often that um, people were scared about, I've had a, a grandpa or an uncle or a sister that had really severe low back pain. And now they're in a wheelchair. Am I going to end up in a wheelchair? And that thought alone will create a lot of relevance for the brain, will create a lot of importance and therefore sensitivity and pain signals and every little thing that causes pain, you're really fearful of doing it. And so it perpetuates a lot of things. So just be very, very careful and recognize low back pain is very, very common, very common, but, and it can be scary. We recommend, oh, 
We accept that. But it's rarely dangerous, not life-threatening, very rarely life-threatening, and very unlikely you'll end up in a wheelchair. The other point I want to mention from this paper is that getting older is not a cause of low back pain. Evidence doesn't support it, but the scans will, I guess, be more and more unsettling. If you take, like I said, if you take the the healthy population of 40-year-olds and you scan them, never had back pain in their life, you'll see 50% disc bulges and you'll see in 70% of that population, they'll have some sort of disc degeneration. That just increases by 10 to 15% every decade that you get to. So it's actually start to become extremely uncommon if you scan a low back and there isn't any findings of degeneration or disc bulge or um, bone on bone or joint space loss or you know impinged nerves, like all these really threatening language. It's just incredibly common, but it doesn't contribute to low back pain. So getting older does not cause low back pain. I thought I'd mention that. The third one I wanted to mention was that backs do not wear out with everyday loading and bending. You know, I probably don't need to say this, but um, it's in the paper and it's similar to people thinking that running's bad for your knees. People think running's bad for their knees because they consider it like a car part that has a certain mileage, a certain amount of turns that it can do, a certain amount of miles that it does have before it starts to wear out, starts to get sore, the joint space starts to narrow, pain starts to ensue, it gets worse, and then you need to replace it. And the more, the less you do, the more you preserve that. So if you kept your car in, in the garage and only drove, you know, 20 kilometers per year, that will preserve a lot longer than if you drove it every day. But the body's different. The body just doesn't work that way. Some people still have that perception that the body parts are like car parts that have a certain mileage, but that's not the case. Exercise and using that particular body part stimulates growth, stimulates strength, stimulates cartilage, stimulates just the preservation of that that joint and that body area. And so the same can be said for the lower back. If you keep moving it, if you keep strong, if you keep engaged, keep fit and healthy, you're going to preserve it a lot longer. So bending's fine, um, but you do need to respect the limitations. You do need to respect what you're capable of, what your adaptation zone is. Very similar to knees and running. So not running and actually being very sedentary is bad for your knees. Running's actually healthy for your knees. Running too much and overdoing things is bad for your knees. So we need to find that middle ground not only for your knees, but for your backs as well. Okay, and now for my final tips. Um, I've got three main ones here and a bit of a story to tell. But the first one I have is just breathing tips if you're doing heavy lifting. This is kind of like end stage if you are doing heavy squats or deadlifts in the gym. Um, Sort of came from my CrossFit days, a bit of a a tip, which I try to keep to for myself. Um, but if you notice that you're doing squats and if you're doing deadlifts or maybe lunges, I'm not entirely sure, but um, focus on how you're breathing um, and trying to make sure you're reinforcing the back a little bit when you do these. First of all, you want to make sure your technique is fine. Second of all, you want to make sure that you're not doing anything too abrupt. So you're not, the, the amount of weight that you're increasing to isn't too much. 
But if you are doing all those things sensibly and you're noticing the back is a little bit sore during a particular part of the motion or after doing that particular activity, um, you can do what I would call um, holding your breath during the most the hardest part of that exercise. And I'm not saying hold your breath through the majority of an exercise. Uh, we want to be breathing. But if you're, say, doing a squat and you start, you know, upright, when you start going down, what I would do is breathe in. And at the very bottom, as at the very bottom as you go down and as you come back up, that little split of a second, um, I hold my breath to brace everything because it's a very, it's like the hardest part of that particular phase. And then for the majority on your way up, I, you breathe out. So, and also as you breathe in on the way down, you sort of fill in your stomach. You, you breathe into your belly rather than like a high breath through the lungs. And so that increases the intra-abdominal pressure, increases the pressure in your lower back, uh, increases the pressure within your abdominal cavity so that you have an equal sort of, activation between, you know, force going on the outside and on the inside is sort of creating more of a equilibrium. So breathing in as you as you go down, a, a brief pause in your breath as you go through that hardest part of the phase and then you're breathing out through the, the rest of the rep. Um, might take a bit of practice. You might practice with some lighter weight or just body weight. Um, but I found that extremely helpful for my squats, for my lower back, um, and for my deadlifts as well. Um, because I have had a long history of low back kind of episodes, um, I've just found it really helps. Um, so you can do that for deadlifts as well. And might not work for you. I don't know. It works really well for me. See how you go. Um, if that's still not helping or if you don't feel a lot more control or a lot more strength in the back or a lot less symptoms, then, um, you know, it's worth trying some other things, so maybe some technique issues or maybe some mobility issues and you know, plenty of other things that you can address, but thought that might be helpful. The other tip that I have is like when I have a really bad episode and I'm really stiff and sore, I constantly do mobility work, whatever I can get away with, whatever is a little bit uncomfortable, but doesn't irritate afterwards. And some of my favorite go-tos are what I call lumbar rolls. So you lie on the floor on your back, Bend your knees so that your feet are still on the floor. Your arms are out to the side for support. And you're just rocking the knees side to side. And this creates lower back rotation. Um, and once I uh, am comfortable with doing that, I then progress by still that same starting position, but I bring one foot across my other knee and then rock out to the side and back to the center. And again, still gets that rotation and is very, very nice for me, works very well for me. And then as the days go on, I can find that I can go through more range with less pain and yeah, starts to help my body recognize that movement's okay. The other one that I like is what we call a, a cat camel stretch. So you're in four point kneeling. So you're on your hands and knees on the floor and you're sinking your lower back and then you're arching your lower back. So you sink like what a cat does and then you arch like a camel. So that's cat camels. And each of them I do about, you know, 10 to 15 reps each. And why I think this works quite well is you're encouraging movement, but there's not a lot of muscle activation. Like if you, sometimes that muscle activation gripping is what causes the pain, 
but because your hand for the first exercise your back is supported on the floor for the second exercise you've got this four basis support with your hands and your knees and the muscles aren't working that hard but then you can go through a, a gentle range of movement in both rotation flexion and extension with those two exercises so that's what I like. Um, and then I just slowly get back into exercise as my symptoms allow. I make sure that I can tolerate walking and my back doesn't get too fatigued. And then, you know, just build up from there. The second one was a bit of a revelation for me. I mean, sorry, the third one, the third and last tip that I have. Bit of a revelation when I did CrossFit and I told uh, my instructor that I've had, you know, history of low back pain, nothing too, nothing too much to worry about, but, you know, thought I'd just raise it. He mentioned that, why don't you just do lower back strengthening? And this is different from core strengthening. You know, you've got these big muscles in your lower back, especially the, what we call your erector spinae. Like if you feel your lower back um, around the spine on each side, you've got these big muscles running up alongside the spinal column. Um, as well as a few other big muscles alongside that. Why don't you just get those really strong? He said that he had low back pain and he was told by another instructor to just really get strong in your lower back. And he said he hadn't had any lower back pain in uh, since he started doing those exercises. And so that stuck with me. And I last, um, how long ago? It would have been about five or six months ago. I started sitting a lot more and I started like realizing that my posh, oh, my habits were just fading a little bit. I was starting to slouch a little bit more. Like I said, slouching might be okay, but this was more than what I was used to. My body wasn't really liking it. And was I doing anything else at that time? Might've been increasing my squats, just a few other things in my daily life. And my back was starting to get sore at the end of the week. And I noticed a little pattern of on the weekend, my backs would get better. Then as the week went on, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it was while I was writing the book actually um, because I was doing a lot of sitting and a lot of typing and just more sitting than usual. Um, and it's very hard to sit down and type for a long time, for me anyway. Um, and I just noticed that pattern getting worse by the end of the week, getting a bit better on the weekend, and that would just repeat itself. And so it took me back to that CrossFit advice about strengthening my lower back. So I actually did a bit of a challenge. My girlfriend and I like to do like a challenge over a month. And I'm like, let me do a back strengthening challenge because it's something I don't really focus on. And so in my gym, I did back extensions, lower back extensions. So I would um, lay across a one of my plyo boxes, which all the way up to my hips. Um, and I would just secure my ankles with a barbell. So I'm just like elevated off the ground. The barbell's holding my ankles in place and everywhere from my hips up is just like hanging off the plyo box. And then I would extend my lower back and really engage those back muscles all the way up and then all the way down. So I'm like hinging at my lower back. And I started body weight. I started three sets of 12, but like I said, this was a challenge. So I was gonna do it five times a week and every week I was going to increase the weight. Lucky for me, I have a weighted vest. And so I was building up for four to five weeks. And by the end, I was um, extending. I was doing my back extensions, I think, with about a 12 kilogram weighted vest and still doing about three sets of 10. And I felt great. Even after the first couple of days, I don't know, it's sort of like when you 
stimulate a muscle in a way that it hasn't been done before. It was like this, I've never done like a slow, heavy, activate your back muscles like that. Very similar to like a tendon. Like I've, I respond very well to loading my tendons. Um, if I have a, a grumbly sort of tendon for a couple of days and then I'll load it within like two or three days, I feel fantastic. And the same thing happened for my lower back, which I did not expect. And it was only about week two or three that I noticed that that pattern throughout the week just totally dissipated. My back felt fantastic, felt strong. Um, those workouts were tough. Like my back was really like not getting, it wasn't getting sore. It was like getting a good workout. And I think it's just like a realization that we just treat it like any other injury. Like if someone came in to my office with knee pain and I'm like, what strengthening are you doing? If they're not doing any strengthening, I'm like, what are you doing? Just start strengthening. Don't just keep running on it. You can still run, but let's do some strengthening exercises as well. Um, and we do core exercises, but the core exercises aren't necessarily addressing primarily those back muscles. Why don't we just strengthen the back muscles? And so did that, found a great outcome. Um, but like I said, at the very, very start of this episode, people have back pain for a lot of different reasons. So just make sure you start with body weight if you want to try this. Um, if it's not working for you, if you're not getting that same response, maybe try something else, but just so I share that, that experience because it's been a game changer for me and something I'll continue to do. Um, so that's it. That's what I have. Let's, um, I know I recapped the seven tips that Kieran discussed, but I'll just recap the rest that I haven't um, covered a second time. So the tip, the remainder tips from that paper, persistent low back pain can be scary, but it's rarely dangerous. Two, getting older is not a cause of low back pain. Three, backs do not wear out with everyday loading and bending. Then into my tips, the holding the breath for that minute part of a second during the heaviest part of your heavy lifts, such as squats and deadlifts. Tips, if you do have low back pain, just mobility work, those lumbar rolls, cat camels. I do one set of 15 for each exercise and I do that you know, every second hour when it's really bad. But then as my symptoms improve, that becomes less frequent three times a day, once a day, once every second day, et cetera. And then I just stop doing them once I feel better. Um, and then that lumbar extension tip, uh, just getting stronger through your back muscles. So hopefully you enjoyed this. Um, I've really enjoyed recording this and um, going through this information. So thanks for voting. Uh, we'll bring out another poll in a month's time and bring you another episode. So Good luck with your rehab. If you are injured, good luck with your running and we'll catch you next time. If you are struggling to overcome an injury, you can jump on a free 20 minute injury chat with me, which you can book through my calendar in the show notes. While you're in the show notes, elevate your running IQ by jumping onto my free email list so you can receive material to help rehab your injury, lower your injury risk and increase your performance. If emails aren't for you, consider my Facebook group, Instagram, and YouTube channels. And remember, each insight you get from these resources brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough.